Welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs show, a safe place for women to heal and grow, where we discover our value, share our tears as we go through the hard times and rise up as we become empowered to meet our challenges head on. On today's show, I am talking to Alison Marie, who is a certified soul modes mentor and uses this groundbreaking framework to guide those led by their feminine core, including women and members of the LGBTQIA plus community to uncover the magic that lies within their soul by peeling back the layers that has socially molded us. She is also the passionate owner of the business today, tomorrow and always, which preserves DNA and ashes from loved ones who have died to leave a lasting keepsake. She is a mum of four and has lived through adversity as a survivor of family violence. Tune in now to hear Alison's courageous journey and how she has turned her pain into her power. Just a caution, if you feel unsafe at any time, please stop listening. You can come back anytime you are in a safe place to listen to the rest of the podcast. Your safety is the most important thing to consider. Did you know that you can become a patron of this podcast? Patrons are the people who breathe life into this production and help this podcast reach more listeners. If you can help Tiara's Tears and Triumphs go the extra mile, you can be the reason a victim of abuse rediscovers her smile. Just go to patron.podbean.com forward slash empowering victims or go to the link in the episode notes. Hello, Alison, and welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast. Thank you so much for agreeing to come onto the show today and to be a guest. I would love for you to just start off this conversation that we're going to have with just sharing a bit about yourself so that the listeners know a bit more about who you are, what you do, and what brought you to this point in your life now where you're doing the kinds of things that you're doing? Um, well, hello, and thank you for having me. Um, so my name is Alison. I am a mum of four and soon to be grandmother of two. I have my second grandchild due in about 10 weeks time from uh, when we're recording this, um, which is very exciting. I am uh, also a fur mum. I do have a boxer. Um, who is just the loveliest thing in the world. Um, I was uh, actually um, about, well, my eldest child was born eight days after I turned 17. Um, so I was a teen mum. I got married at 17 um, and started my adult life at a very young age. Um, I was a military wife for 13 years and also um, worked in the military myself for a little while. And now I, um, I, I, I should skip back a little bit. Um, after I had um, separated from my husband, I met a wonderful man who uh, unfortunately passed away um, before myself and my kids could move countries to go and be with him. 
And the loss of him is what sparked um, what I do now. I, I never want another family to not have something that you can hold on to from a loved one that's passed away. I never want a little girl on her wedding day to not have uh, something DNA-wise of her dad to help her walk down the aisle on such a momentous occasion, uh, like my stepdaughter and, and my eldest daughter now have to do. Um, and it sounds crazy, but, but losing the man I loved actually led me to both of my businesses right now and to what my mission in life is and what I feel called to do. Uh, and it's, it's so strange because part of me thinks, oh, you know, like I would give anything for him to still be here, but I wouldn't have the life that I have now if that hadn't happened. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've kind of got to be grateful in a way that, that I loved him and I lost him. And at, at a point in my life where I needed that little bit of strength um, to be lent by somebody else to me, to get out of a marriage that was dangerous and was no good for my children to be in. Um, I didn't see it as you do at the time. You don't see it. Um, and, yeah, just to have someone to lend me their strength to, to gain the courage to do what I needed to do for myself and my kids, um, yeah, I'll always be eternally grateful for. And, and now I have these businesses and this purpose in life that I'm really proud of. That's amazing. Can you tell me a bit more about this business that you have where you have like some DNA as a keepsake for people to have something of value to have with them as a, a permanent reminder of that person that they love, that they have lost? Yeah, I, I actually only discovered the industry about 18 months after Manny had passed away. And the first thing that I, I kind of said to myself is, oh, I wish I knew this existed when he died. Um, he was uh, put into a mausoleum and I would have shaved that man bald. Like if I had known that this was a thing, we, I, that's just what would have happened. Um, and at least then we all could have had something you know with his hair in it to, to be able to physically touch a part of him during those moments where you are grieving and you feel crappy and you you just want to connect with them you know and and you can't um but I didn't know and so now that's my mission is to reach a million people every year not necessarily to give me their money but just to educate them on my industry and all of the ways that it can help so I specialize in hair and ash, um, cremation ashes, um, because that is why I started this business. And that's where my passion is, is to helping loved ones be able to hold on to their, their, their past, the loved ones that have passed. Um, but I also specialize in pregnancy and infant loss uh, keepsakes too for women who have unfortunately never been able to, to hold their baby. Um, hear them giggle, watch them take their first steps. It is something that for some reason is still very unspoken about in, in our society. Um, it's, it's almost something that people are made to feel ashamed about and, and to kind of keep to themselves. But I think it's because people around them don't know what to say and they don't want to say the wrong thing. 
So the easy thing to do is, well, let's just not talk about it because we don't want to upset them. Um, and what I've learned through this business is that's actually the opposite of what most, most parents want. They want you to use their baby's name. They want you to ask, you know, whether, especially in the, in the case of, of stillborn babies, um, you know, who did they look like? What dreams did you have for them? Um, you know, to include their name on Christmas cards, something so simple that just shows that the loved ones that are around supporting them also feel that loss and also mm. feel, you know, that there was a baby here. It was present. It had a heartbeat. It was loved. It just stopped, you know, its little heart stopped too soon. Um, and I just, I wanted women, especially in those early 12 weeks that didn't have anything to show for it. Um, you know, they hadn't felt kicks yet. They hadn't, I mean, they probably had morning sickness, but they didn't have anything to show for it yet. And I wanted them to have something that represented the fact that, again, your baby was here. You know, you loved it. You, you nurtured it. You cared for it. You probably sang and spoke to it. Um, and yet when we lose someone we love, no matter whether it's in that situation or, um, you know, a friend, a family member, it kind of leaves this hole within you that you you just can't fill. Mm. It, it's impossible. Mm. Um, and over time, I think it it shrinks maybe, or maybe you just learn to kind of put a, a Band-Aid over it to help it heal, but it never actually goes away. Um, can, I share, can I share my own personal experience with this now? Um, I this is with my first pregnancy. I'm a mum of four kids too. Um, with my first pregnancy, I um, I started bleeding seven weeks into the pregnancy. So I'd only just found out that I was pregnant after you know six months of trying, trying, trying. Hey, you know, finally, yes. And so th this baby was so wanted you know we really really wanted to have this baby it was so intentional and I started miscarrying and when um I got to you know the, the hospital and yeah they confirmed it they said yeah you, you know you're losing your baby and um, and I was absolutely devastated, devastated. I was crying. I think I was in bed for like the week after was my grief was I just had never felt grief like it before in my entire life. Um, and I was crying out to God saying, God, you know, please, please just give me back my baby. All I want is my baby. Please give me back my baby. Now, my story, you know, my story is really unusual because I did have my prayer answered a week after I'd I'd had a full DNC. So they, you know, scraped out my insides um, so that, you know, any remaining bits of you know an embryo would be removed anyway the results were a bit off and so my obstetrician said you know I want you to go and have another ultrasound there's something not quite right with your results and I went and had the ultrasound and um, they said you've got a healthy eight-week gestation in your uterus um, there was a tiny nick in the amniotic sac 
So I was on tenterhooks for the entire pregnancy after that. But the explanation was that it was a twin pregnancy and I I had not even thought that that was possible but found out then that um three there's I think it's only three quarters of twin pregnancies don't actually make it to full term or don't make it to you know so one of the twins will be lost absorbed by the other fetus you know along the the term of the pregnancy and that's what was the case with my pregnancy but so I, I was very, you know, like I had just this roller coaster, absolute roller coaster of going from the depths of despair. And so I know what that feels like to lose, lose a pregnancy, lose a baby in a pregnancy. And just, and like I said to you, the, the feelings of grief that I had in that time were inexplicable. And there was really nothing that, anybody could do to comfort me console me or make me feel as though life was going to be happy in the future without this baby you know that I had longed to have and um so I I remember that acutely I remember those feelings and um and I I can totally empathize with women who who lose their their babies when they're pregnant or whether they're still births. It's just, um, it's the, uh, the most devastating, you know, thing for a woman to go through. And, um, and I know that it can be very destructive in relationships too because the woman is unable to heal from her grief and, that then um, puts a whole, you know, layer of sadness on the relationship where there was all this optimism for a happy future before the loss of the child to the new reality that is with life without this this precious person in your life. So... um, yeah, so I just wanted to to share that because I I do know what it feels like, and I do understand how powerful what you are doing in this business is, Alison. That this is you know such a a gift, and I'd like you to just if you could give us a few examples of the types of keepsakes that you're able to create using things like. Hair and ashes to help, you know, help those who have lost somebody to have that that bond with them through a keepsake. Yeah, I think um, before I go into that, I think as women, when we see those two little lines or when we see that plus sign, subconsciously our mind goes to this place of almost thinking about this child's whole life. You know, all of a sudden it's, oh, my God, I'm pregnant. You know, there's there's going to be first words, first steps, first day of school, first date. And I don't think it's a conscious thing. I think it's just wired in our, in our motherly instinct that we now have to protect this child. And then to have that taken away when you've already, you've already added this baby into your family and into your heart and, mm-hmm. and for that to just be gone for no 
for no reason that seems fair um, is is gut-wrenching and completely cruel, no matter, you know, how pregnant you are. Um, I just think women just need that little bit of, of something to comfort them. Like you said, there's there's nothing anyone can say or do that's going to make any difference. And even having a keepsake from me, it's not going to change any of the way, you know, that things play out. My goal is to give you a cushion so that when you fall during those bad days, you've got something to hold on to that shows you actually lost something, that it wasn't just, you know, a, a positive on a test. Something was actually lost. A person was lost. Your, your future that you had already prepared for, you know, that part was lost. So um, I, I do take a lot of care and, and passion with what I do because I understand that it's not done with a light heart. Um, I use things like breast milk and I also do celebratory things as well for, for women who have had a breastfeeding journey um, and reached whatever milestone they wanted to hit. Um, if you climbed a mountain, like if you climbed, you know, one of the biggest mountains in the world, you would do something to mark that occasion so that every time you saw it, you were like, yeah, I did that. Um, and for some reason, we don't think to do that when it comes to nourishing and, and, and keeping a baby happy and healthy and, you know, chunky. You know, some of them are just little adorable little balls of, of squishiness. Um, and I think we should. I think we should reward ourselves for, you know, the two, three, four, five a.m. feeds sometimes. And and I don't I don't think women kind of see that as a as something that sh that needs to be celebrated, but it should be. You know, you accomplish something that you set out to do. You have this happy little healthy, you know, little one in front of you that is so happy and healthy because of you. Mm. And for the mums that, for whatever reason, had to switch to bottle feeding, the same thing. You still had to get up at two o'clock and three o'clock and four o'clock. Um, and over all of my kids, I've actually done both. I've breastfed and bottle fed. Me too. I had to comp mine. Uh, all four of them I had to comp. So it was, I wanted to give them the breast so that they, it would help them with their immunity. And, yeah. you know, and the bottle was so that they could get the, you know, they could chunk up a bit because I, wa I wasn't able to produce enough. I felt like a cow. I was either, you know, had had one on the the boob or or I had the expressor on me to try and build up my supply so yeah. it's it's such a challenging thing and um it's something we're having this amazing conversation Alison where we're talking about all these things that you know like the challenges the real very real challenges that women go through where you have this I guess ideal you know picture of what it's supposed to look like what motherhood is supposed to look like yeah, and perfect. what it ends up being is something so incredibly different yes yeah so I, I used to be a perfectionist until I started having kids and then I had to let it go I had to let life be life on life's terms and I needed to learn ways to make peace with that instead of having this high ideal that it should be this, that it should be that, because as long as I was keeping those high ideals as being the only way, I was just, you know, really putting myself in a position of being disappointed. 
yeah, disappointed and also giving myself a hard time for not being that high ideal. So, yeah, it's a great thing to, to let go of when you can. And I'm not saying it's an easy thing, but um, you and I were having a little chat even before we started this interview where we were started talking about that thing about giving like women needing that validation from each other to say it is okay not to be perfect it is okay to go through your ups and downs so I guess this kind of leads me to asking you we've talked about this very special business that you have with creating keepsakes for people to have that thing that really precious thing to hold on to when they're having their moments when they need to cling on to something really tight and say this is real and I'm holding on right now I'm holding on for dear life to yeah. let's talk about this other side of you with your coaching work with soul modes because this is a different area of coaching to what I do I work with energy I, I'm an energy healer and I also my focus is also on empowering women through financial literacy so that, you know like you and I are both trying to help women to become empowered in their lives with the good with the bad with everything that life is and presents yeah to have that rich and rewarding life but you're coming at it from a different perspective to me yeah so can you explain a bit about this whole soul modes coaching and what soul modes actually is yeah so um i i i found soul modes personally um after actually winning some coaching with the founder of soul modes through a business program for my keepsake business and when I started working with her, um, she's talking about the soul mode stuff and that she's got a book and there's a movie. And of course, I, I had to go and look at it. And I just, I was speechless. I was completely and utterly dumbfounded that someone was explaining to me exactly how I felt at different parts of my week without having ever met me. And it just, it really floored me. Um, and as I was working with more mums, I also work with women who have been through IVF and have uh, embryos left over from their cycle that they, but their family is complete and they don't, they don't want to continue to have them frozen or donate them. Um, and so I actually use those whether they prefer them whole or cremated and we put those into jewellery or display pieces for them to hold. Um, but the stories that I was hearing from these women were the same and it was Stories like um, in the case of a pregnancy loss, that they had older children that wanted their attention and that all they wanted to do was have their children go away. I will censor myself for the listeners. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure you can work out what other words we feel sometimes when we're touched out and we just want everyone to leave us alone. Um, even our partners, you know, when our partners try and come and console us. And I think that that also comes back to what we're saying before about the grief and the relationships and, and the damage that can do is sometimes it's men and women grieve differently and men try and be strong for us while we're going through that. And they don't want to show that they're grieving. And so we assume they're not. And that's where relationships can really break down. Um, but with soul modes, the, the biggest thing that I wanted to be able to teach women is it's okay. 
of if I if I had to sum it up in in a couple of words, that's what I would sum it up as. So soul modes has four different modes that as women and feminine core beings, also including those in the LBGTQIA+, geez, I hope I got that in the right order, um, community, anyone that identifies as kind of being more led by their feminine energy than their masculine will resonate with this. So we have four different modes. There is wild mode, there is super mode, sparkle mode, and bear mode. Did I say that yet? I think I just totally screwed that up. Anyway, let me explain. Um, but we'll start with bear mode. Now, bear mode is the mode that basically it's a depressive, crappy place to be sometimes. It's the mode where we find that we want seclusion. We don't want anyone else around us. We just want to be curled up in bed under a blanket or on the lounge watching TV and just have the whole world leave us alone. It tends to be the mode where all of the negative feelings that we're subconsciously feeling that we're pushing down come to the surface. So for me personally, this is where my, you're a bad mum, you're a bad businesswoman, you don't know what you're doing. What, what makes you think that you can help other women when you're still a work in progress? And some days a train wreck, if I'm honest. Um, it's, it's where all of that self-doubt and self-criticism comes up and just gen generally makes you feel like crap. Um, but it has its purpose and there's a reason for it. So I'll come back to that. But the next mode is super mode. Now, super mode is our organizational mode. Our superwoman loves our to-do lists. We love planning. We love organization. We love having things in order. You know, everything has its place and you know, that, that's just what has to happen. We meal prep, we, we join gyms, we sign up to courses, we, we do all of those things in, in super mode because we're trying to better ourselves. Super mode is also the mode that analyzes all of the things that came up in your bear mode. So you will find she's very logic, logical, log, logic headed. I can't even speak today. Um, but <laughs> You know, she counteracts all of those things that come up um, with, okay, so one of them being a bad mum. No, I'm not a bad mum. I just had a bad day. You know, there's a difference. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a bad businesswoman. Well, some days I feel like that, but I don't know what I don't know, which is why I'm enrolling in courses and why I'm doing professional and personal development all the time, because I want to learn them. So even though, you know, when you were in bear mode, it felt like, oh, I'm never going to, you know, I, I can't do this. I just need to give up. Your superwoman will kind of attack those, but from a logical, okay, I, I take the emotion out of it. And this is why I felt that way. And it's funny that once you do that, it no longer kind of weighs you down because you've been able to address it and figure out a way to tackle it. So after that comes our sparkle mode. Now our sparkly fairy is our emotional and connection mode. She's the one that is, um, she craves love and affection and attention. She's the one that's going to, you know, put on your prettiest dress that you just want to feel good. You know, you might do your hair and makeup a little bit differently that day just to make yourself light up. Um, she's the one that tends to like flitter around humming and, and just loving life in general. 
Um, she's the one that's going to really crave that affection and attention from your kids, your partner. Um, she's going to want to go out for lunch with the girls and grab a drink and be social and all of those things. Um, and then we have our wild mode. Now, our wild mode is what I equate to a toddler on sugar. Um, for anyone that's ever let their toddler have that sugar rush, it's that part of you that is thinking big picture. You know where you are, you know where you want to be, and you're going to get there. Nothing is going to stand in your way. If you've ever tried to calm down a toddler on sugar and, and try and get them to just sit, and you know how impossible that is, that is what your wild mode is. She is determined. She is dominant because she's, she's the boss. She's, I'm getting this done. Get out of my way. And, and I actually really love my wild mode. I'm a little bit more, um, I'm very dominant in my wild mode, um, but I'm also a little bit more flirtatious and a little bit more sexual, I think, as well, because I feel empowered and I feel strong and I feel all of these things that just make me feel like a queen. And so it's, it's yeah, it's, I, I love my wild mode. Um, and then we hit bear mode again. So for those that need a couple of examples that are like, oh, I don't know if that fits with me. Let me give you an example. Um, I can't really do the raise your hand thing, but um, just out loud as you're listening to us today, I want you to, to say, oh, my God, that's me. Every woman I've ever met has had a time where they've gone, right, that room, that cupboard, that something is so unorganised. I'm going to pull the whole thing out, clean it all out and, and get that job over and done with. I've been putting it off forever. I'm just going to get it done. That's your wild mode. That's your wild mode, seeing what needs to be done and just getting in and getting it done. So then you pull it all out and you wipe it all down and you, you know, start putting things back and all of a sudden your bear mode hits and you're like, oh, my God, why on earth did I think this was a good idea? <laughs> why did I take on such, I don't want to finish this. I don't want to put all this back. Um, and that's because you've cycled into bear mode. The act of having taken everything out and cleaned it, that's what you were really craving in wild mode. It was getting that, that action done. But once you got that done and filled that cup, then you've switched into bear mode and your bear mode does not want to borrow that. She wants to be back under the covers with some ice cream and a movie and, and that's, that's her happy place. And I swear every single one of us has had had one of those experiences where we're just like, yeah, I, that was a bad idea. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I did not need to be doing that today. Um, and it just goes to show that from around puberty, what I've discovered is that we are constantly going through these modes in the same order. We spend different amounts of time in each of them, depending on how quickly we fill our cup to move into the next one. And it's just all happening. But we've never had, up until now, we've never had a structure and words and a way to understand it in such an easy way to actually put it into to practice. And, and the beauty about it is when it comes to healing and when it comes to grief, um, when you're in your bear mode and your kids want you and you just want them to go away, the beautiful thing about this is that knowing your bear mode is trying to help you move forward. Your bear mode is bringing up all of those negative things because you've got to deal with them. If you don't deal with them, you're not going to move out of bear mode and you're going to be in that depressive state for longer and longer. It's as simple as maybe journaling and, and writing a note to yourself saying, today I feel like this. 
getting it out and addressing and acknowledging those feelings. Um, once you do that and you cycle through, you're going to hit sparkle mode and you are going to just want to drink your kids up, you know, that whole time. You're going to want the cuddles and the affection and to do paintings and make memories. And the same thing with your partner. You're going to want to feel close to them again and, and really draw them into you. And each of the modes keep you moving forward. If we don't move forward in life, we stay where we are. And that's not a nice place to be. So, um, you know, your bear mode brings them up. Your super mode organizes things and gets you driven to, to make the changes. Your sparkly fairy makes sure that you don't miss all of the beautifulness of life and all of the really important things. And then your wild mode, you know, she's the driver of you. She's the one that, that literally makes you take that step forward because once you do that, then you bring up the next lot of things that you're dealing with in bear mode and it just goes round and round. And I think women need to understand that you're not doing life wrong. You know, you're not crazy because yesterday you were like, oh my God, I can, you know, I, I need to, this was me last week, I need to close both businesses down. I can't do this. This is too hard. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. Um, what am I thinking? And then stepping into your next mode and going, oh, okay, that was just, it was almost like a little test for myself to see how determined and how important these are to me. And that just because I felt like that yesterday and I feel the complete opposite today, I'm not crazy. I'm just going through my modes. Mm. You know, you can feel one way about something to the point where you would bet your house on it. And then the next day you'd bet it the complete opposite. Yeah. And I think before I knew about this, I did feel crazy. I'm like, how, how can I have felt so passionately towards one thing yesterday and then today I think that was complete crap. Mm. You know, I'm clearly crazy. You know, when my husband tells me I'm crazy and when my husband tells me I'm useless and I'm not smart enough and all of those things, clearly he's right because I can't even understand me. And yet when I discovered this, I'm like, oh, that's what's happening. And I think especially for our younger women, um, I think it's really important for them to understand themselves on a soul level yeah. so that when, I mean, cross fingers and, and praying, that they never encounter a man that will degrade them and put them down. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, in this day and age, you know, domestic violence is so prominent in our society that there's a chance that, you know, I think it's one in four women will experience it, it throughout their life. That's, that's here in Australia, but the, the wider statistic for sort of globally is it's even more it's like one in three will, women oh. will experience some form of abuse you know yeah. in their in their life and I think it's a really good point to raise is that you know these things are all about different forms of like different emotions that are within us and that we often have this misconception about emotions that only the happy ones are the ones that we should be experiencing. And if we're experiencing other emotions, that there's something wrong with us. Yeah. But we're here to actually experience the whole rainbow or the whole myriad of emotions. It's a spectrum. And 
we are supposed to experience all of these emotions and these emotions are a filter for us to see ourselves and understand what it is that we need to learn. Like you said, you know, when you're in bear mode, these things are actually given to us as an opportunity to reflect and see what is it that I need right now? You know, what is it that I need to allow for myself? What is it that I need to give to myself? Is there something there that I need to heal? Yeah. And being that kind and compassionate to yourself rather than giving yourself a hard time and saying, you know, what is wrong with you? Why are you down in the dumps again? Why are you, you know, beating yourself up again and being hard on yourself instead saying, right, what do I need to discover? Yeah. Why why am I feeling this way? What do I need? Yeah. And when I when I really started to study this, I was thinking back to my marriage and all of the times where I was told I was lazy and and useless. I wish I'd known this younger. And and I'm trying to get a program together for our teenage girls mm. because had I had this information about myself before then, when I was told I was lazy and no good. I would have been able to say, no, mate, you don't get to label me that. I'm in bear mode. This is my self-care mode. And this is what I need to do to keep myself moving and keep my mental health in balance with my um, physical health and, and all of the other things that go along with looking after yourself in a healthy way. You don't get to label me as lazy because I'm, I'm taking self-care time. Mm. And it really opened my eyes that by by changing the word lazy for self-care and I think a lot of women now see self-care as being lazy and it's not it's so important for yourself and for your family if I remember someone giving me the advice of if your best friend in the whole world that you love more than yourself came to you and said exactly what you were saying what advice would you give her? Mm-hmm. And I, I was floored because the advice that I would give to my friend is the exact opposite advice that I was believing within myself, even though it's the exact same situation. And it's so crazy that we're so hard on ourselves and we put ourselves through so much to, to live up to this expectation of what we should be, what kind of wife we should be, what kind of mother we should be what kind of person and, and you know, what, what we do with our careers, what we should do. I think we need to take that should out mm. because it's not about what we should be. It's who we are. Absolutely. Um, uh, we just, we need, and as, as you were saying, we had a chat before this and it's, it's so strange how powerful it is to have someone say to us, it's okay. It's okay to take that time out for yourself. It's okay not to, it's okay for your children to have takeaway two or three nights in a row. They're still fed. They're happy. Everything's going to be fine. It's okay for your dishes not to be done because you're playing with them before bedtime. It's okay to, to not have your washing up to date because there's still clothes in the cupboard. There's still clean clothes around. But yet how we, we see our value is perceived on what we think others would judge us 
Today's episode is proudly brought to you by the How to Feel a Million Dollars Even If You Are Just Scraping By workshop. In a world that conditions us to lack and limitations, this workshop is here to help women who have been made to feel not good enough to find a way to rediscover the treasures that lie within themselves and to find confidence matched with courage and conviction to help them to move in the direction of a rich and rewarding life. To find out more how to manifest an abundant life and to sign up for the next workshop, just go to www.sandyj.com.au forward slash workshop or go to the episode notes and click on the link. Um, you know, I, I really had to, my, my ex-husband had OCD to a ridiculous point and we couldn't even leave um, a glass that had had water and upside down on the sink because it was dirty. And now I have my, I have a toddler and a two-year-old grandson and they leave toys all over the lounge room and I would always clean them back up and then they'd do it. And, and one day I sat there and I just, um, my eldest is 21. And I thought I was remembering about it when it was her making those messes and something in my brain clicked that I'm grateful for this mess. I am so on a, on a level I can't even tell you grateful for this mess to have to clean up all the time because give it a few years and I'm not going to have any kids around to make mess with and that's what I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss the giggles and I'm going to miss the pretend cups of tea and, and all of those things. And now I look at that mess and I smile. Like as I'm cleaning up the same thing for the fifth time, I just, I love it. I, I genuinely have changed my mindset around that to I'm grateful each and every time I have to clean my lounge room mm. because it means that I've still got children here making memories. So as I've been listening to you speaking, Alison, it's just been, you know, really reminding me of the energetic shifts that happen within us and this thing of having a mindset about something and having that particular mindset where you have this attitude of gratitude that you are grateful for the messes that are in your life because those messes mean that you have these precious children in your care mm -hmm. and you know how fleeting that time is to the opposite where, where you know you could be so resentful that oh here we go again didn't I just get this lounge room cleaned up and what now there is crap everywhere I can't even take a step without you know it's like a landmine landmines all around me with toys toys everywhere and those feelings of resentment can come in that here we go again this is my job is never ending that's all I seem to be doing with my life is just picking up the pieces and tidying up the messes and it's so easy to slip into that mindset but when we slip into that mindset then that then takes us into bear mode I imagine you know in, with soul modes whereas if you're in a positive mindset about 
the messes that you have in your life and they're no big deal. This is just part of what is in your life at this time in your life. And so be it. It's all good. It's fine. So what if things are a a mess? So, So what if I've got to watch where I'm stepping? So what if I don't have this, you know, magazine shoot house where people walk into and go wow haven't you got a gorgeous home so what so what if they walk in and my lounge room floor is covered with toys so what I'm happy my kids are happy yeah look the same rule doesn't apply to my teenage boys who don't load the dishwasher let let me just get that straight you know what I taught you how to do that you're old enough to do that yourself um, but yeah, even then, you know, like as much as it frustrates me to no end, there is going to come a time where like my, my boys are 19 and 14, there's going to come a time where they're no longer here leaving their dishes everywhere for me to lose my mind at. Um, and so as much as, you know, I have to clench my teeth and guys, take the bins out, <laughs> load the dishwasher, um, you know, with each time I do it, I know that to a certain degree, I'm grateful to have them here making this. I'm grateful to have them here to yell at, to do the things they're not doing. Um, I've got three teenagers, Alison, so I completely understand what you're talking about. And you could, what you're talking about is you could go into that same negative space where you think, all I seem to be doing with you guys is nagging, nagging you to do the things that are really simple. It doesn't take you much time. I only want to ask once and then I would like it to be done. I don't want to be asking you 10 times to do the same thing and you can't hear me because you're gaming or whatever. You know. Um, whereas you go, I'm not going to sweat the small stuff. I'm going to be firm. Let them know this is what they need to do and move on. And, you know, if I have to come back and remind them, I'll go back and remind them. Again, it seems like forever at the time when you're in that phase with them. But if you project forward for a few years, you're like, look, they may actually leave the nest, you know, in a very short space of time. I've only got this precious amount of time left with my kids and I want them to have some positive, you know, memories in their experiences with me during this teenage time where this is a long time to get to that point it took me a long time to get out of that mindset of the house happening to be perfect um and realizing the damage that that did to them you know instead of home being a happy place where you were just allowed to be yourself it they grew up in a home where things had to be literally military precise because that we were a military family and now I just want them to be them you know I I just I think about, you know, Tenny's time when I'm sitting here, with, you know, alone and I have all the time in the world and no one to look after. And But it took a long, long time and a lot of self-work to actually shift how I feel about it, not just how I think about it, but genuinely on the inside how I feel about those things. And I think it's the same with grief and it's the same with surviving and, and all of those other things that we go through in life. Can you do it alone? Yes, you can, but you don't have to. Mm. You know, there's there's people out there like Sandy and like myself that genuinely just want to reach out a hand and, and help where we can. 
because you don't have to do it the hard way like we did. We learned the hard way. We That's right. And I now- wish I wish 10 years ago that I had tapped into services with a coach to help me to get out of my rut to yeah. you know really accelerate and just like get shift shift where I was instead of me sort of spiraling in the same pattern in the same place for a long time and really taking a lot of hard yards, a lot of mistakes for me to be able to get to where I am now. I wish that I had have tapped into that kind of service when I was way back there and I was just scrambling to try and keep my head above water. And and that's kind of why I'm so passionate about this now because imagine living a life, no matter where you are in your life right now, but imagine someone showing you that you could live every single day meeting all of your life's obligations but doing it in a way that every day it feels good. You know, if you've got bills to pay, wait till you're in in super mode because paying those bills, creating those to-do lists and ticking them off is going to fill your cup and it's going to make you feel so productive and and amazing and and all of those things. If you've got... um, if you've got something like big things that you you know that you want to get to, you, your big dreams in wild mode, that's where you map all that out because then your bear mode and, and all of the other modes around it are going to support how to make that happen. Mm. Um, you know, it, I, I can't stress enough how life-changing this has been for me. It actually saved my son's life. Um, he is a gay male. And when I explained soul modes to him, he connected with it straight away. Um, he has bipolar type one disorder, which comes with schizophrenic tendencies. He also suffers from um, depression, anxiety, OCD, ROCD, borderline personality disorder, and a few other letters of the alphabet as well. And when I explained this to him, we we used to always walk around on eggshells waiting for his manic episodes to appear. Uh, manic episodes for him were trying to jump out of cars traveling at 120 kilometers an hour because when we spoke about it afterwards he said mum if we were at home having an argument I'd just walk out the door him and his boyfriend were driving and having an argument and he just wanted to leave the conversation the manic episode in his brain didn't give him the thought of but we're traveling at 120 in a car if I open the door and get out I'm gonna die um and he's for him, just as certain as you and I are that if he jumped off a 20-storey building, he would die, every fibre within him in those moments is telling him he can fly and there's nothing to be afraid of. So manic episodes with bipolar disorder is, for me, way more scary than any of the depressive episodes. And so when he would wake up happy, we were all walking on eggshells, oh, God, what's going to happen today? Mm. And for me to be wondering what ledge do I have to talk him off today? It could be a literal one. Um, And when we discovered soul modes, there was this whole new language we could discuss. So now he'll wake up and he'll say, oh, I'm so berry today. And that's his way of letting us know he's not depressed. He's not going to try and commit suicide again. He's just berry and feels like crap. Mm -hmm. Um, Or he'll wake up and he'll be like, oh, I'm in wild mode today. And he will have this energy where he literally jumps as he goes down the hallway like a kangaroo trying to headbutt the roof. 
um, but we no longer fear the manic episodes or the depressive episodes. He can identify that that's just where he was and always had been and occasionally without the understanding of himself and without the medication for the bipolar, it would easily escalate one way or the other. Um, but he, he understands this about himself now and he no longer fears being happy or feeling sad. He understands that that's actually a normal part of life and it's the extremes of those that we need to keep an eye out for. And it's been six weeks, I think, um, we've actually had him medication-free. Wow. It's been an incredible ride. Um, yeah, he, um, he's, he's coping well. Um, we know if, that, if he slips back, we know exactly where to go and what to do. Um, he's also almost two years clean of being an ice addict. For two years, he was an ice addict from the age of 16. He was groomed by an older man. Wow. And was introduced to the world of ice. Um, the next boyfriend after that started injecting him with ice. And oh, my it, God. It got really, really scary. I woke up every day wondering if today was the day I had to go and identify my son's body. Yeah. Um, but I'm so bloody proud of him. He's... He's, we've built him a business because of the bipolar. Having a regular nine-to-five job is actually quite extremely hard to hold down. So we created him a business that he can do from home on his good days. And if he's having a bad day, it's okay. You know, he can have the downtime and, and do what he needs to do for himself and still make an income. And I just, I can't believe two years ago, I was sitting here wondering, you know, what, what kind of funeral do I plan for him? Because that was my reality every single day. Um, him and I are actually also going to start a podcast to help other parents in our situation because not many parents and children have the relationship that we do where we can actually give families the, pers the perspective of the other one. So, you know, for as a parent, when you find out your child's doing drugs, the first thing you want to do is yell and scream and what the hell are you doing? I taught you better than this. Yeah. Yeah. But I now know what I was really wanting to ask is what is happening in your life that is devastating to you so much that you're trying to escape the feelings of? Mm. And, you know, for him to give the perspective of, you know, if she'd come in yelling, this is what I would have done. Mm. You know, if, if you go into your child and say this, this is how they're going to react because I was that kid. Mm. Um, there's just, there's so many parts of life that, that are unfair. And unfortunately for us, we've, we've been through a few of them. Um, and so now we're choosing to turn that into something positive to help others. Um, That's fantastic. That's really great, Alison. Um, I've got some experience with my ex having been an ice addict. I've got no idea where he's at with it now, but I do know um, just how devastating that drug is. And, um, and I do know that what you have experienced is is miraculous to be able to say my son's been clean for two years and no, my son's you know like better now than he's ever been yeah. you know six weeks off medication and I mean that's just an amazing accomplishment and I think you'll do really, really well with having a podcast that talks about talks about that journey between families because 
um, one of the things I tapped into an Al-Anon support group when I was still caught in the cycle of abuse um, and just involving myself in a support group like that really taught me so much about addiction that I didn't know. Before that, I had this idea that, you know, it should, my logical mind was just telling me that, right, if you say you love us, then that will be enough uh, of a motivator and enough to give you sufficient willpower to be able to stop this addiction and get clean. Um, and so that was my, my mind was telling me that that was, should be enough for him to stop. But um, I was the one that wanted him to stop. He didn't want to stop for himself. And so he just kept BSing us about the, you know, addiction. We were just caught in the, you know, this cycle web of lies, if you like, and, um, and I didn't understand that some of the things that I was doing was actually either enabling him or facilitating him to continue with his addiction. So that's a really that's a really tough thing to manage in and of itself when you are somebody who loves and cares for a, an addict and you, because you want to do whatever you can to help them because you want to see them well you don't want to see and that's one thing that you know I became aware of with going to Al-Anon is that this was actually a sickness that there was some underlying problem there that needed to be healed in order for that addiction to be addressed and um yeah so I think there there can't be enough of these kinds of conversations that support um, both the families and the addicted uh, people because, um, because you are trying to work together on the same problem. And the thing is, is that their problem is not just their problem. As you said, you you were waking up every single day thinking, holy crap, is this going to be the day that I'm going to be dealing with some major tragedy with my child? Because you know that they've gone off the rails and it's absolutely frightening to be in that position and not know you know know that your your happiness is being um, dragged down with them and with their their problems so um yeah amazing that you're going to be doing this podcast I think it's a yeah fantastic thing it affects everyone around you and this is the third time I've got him clean this is not the first time I, yeah. I don't want anyone to think that there's this you know magic you know, miracle thing that I did, it's not. It's just it, it, he had to be ready. And like you said, unless they're ready, it's not going to stick. Yeah. Um, but my 14-year-old son um, was the worst affected. He actually didn't attend school more than about 60 days in 2020 wow. um, because he was so, um, I mean, he grew up with his older brother being his father figure. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he wholeheartedly believed that if he was around when his brother relapsed and went to go and get drugs again, 
that by him saying, no, don't do that, that that would stop it. And it, it took so long of me working with him all the time to say, mate, that's not how addiction works. Um, you know, just as, as you and I wake up craving to eat every day, his body is craving this drug and he has to choose every single day not to take it. Yeah. And it took him so long. I mean, for a 14-year-old to, to understand that is, is ridiculous. It, it, yeah. he, he's had to grow up and mature so much more quickly than any child should. Um, but, yeah, it just, I mean, I think a lot of the drug use um, came from the abuse from his dad. Um, he, when he was eight, his father held a knife to his penis and threatened to cut it off in front of uh, myself and his older sister. That trauma not only affected him, but also my elder daughter. Um, and it's, it's crazy when I think back to all of these things that at the time I didn't see as domestic violence. I just saw as that's just the way marriage is. Um, and then as I had to start explaining it to my son's psychiatrist and, and answering the phone calls from the principal saying, your son's just told this really huge lie at school. Like, we just need to let you know that this is what he's telling people. And for me to have to say, on, no, that's not a lie, that actually happened. And for the principal to break down in tears on the phone to me, realising that this is what my kids have been through. Um, I, I just, I know what it's like to be in that situation and I know what it's like to be where I am now. And if I could wrap my arms around every single woman that is back where I was, that, that's, that's why we're doing this. That's why, why we're doing what we're doing because we get it. Yeah. We've been in that space where I can't leave. I can't afford it. How am I going to support my kids? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Um, I, I remember thinking that every day. Yeah. Um, but I ended up leaving because my children asked me to. Mm -hmm. They said to me on two separate occasions, two days apart, when does dad get home? He'd been away. And I had said, oh, he comes home on Friday. And they said, can't he live in a different house? Mm -hmm. um, and the other one said, I prefer it when dad's gone. Yeah. And that was when I realised I, I had stayed three years after he had an affair because I didn't want to take the kids away from him. I didn't grow up with my dad and I didn't want my kids to live like that. But I was actually hurting them. I was leaving them in a situation where they didn't feel safe in their own home. And that, that is a guilt I will forever carry. Um, it's never black and white, though, Alison. It's never black and white. And There's all, I, this, all these conflicting things going on all at once. Yeah. And, and again, as a woman, what we're told, you know, you keep your family safe, you keep your family together, you be the good wife. And even once some of the stuff started to come out to close friends of ours, my best friend said, I had no idea that was happening. And I said, yeah. of course you didn't. Yeah. I, my job was to protect my husband. Yeah. You know, it was to protect my family. Um, and then as this has all come out over the last few years because of all of the intense therapy and stuff that my sons had to have, um, I was being asked all the time why I never went to the police and why I didn't have him charged and why this and why that. I'm like, you don't get it. When yeah. you're in that moment, my only concern was how to make sure my kids were okay and then how to protect my husband. Like that was that's the way that things went. My kids yeah. always came first. But my next step after that wasn't keeping myself safe. It was putting myself in between them because mm -hmm. I'd rather him be attacking me than attacking yeah. them. Yeah. And it's unless you've been through something like that, people that write these books and these legislations and all of this stuff, 
they just don't get it. They mm. don't get how crumbled you can become as a human, you know, before you even realise, you know, let alone be ready to get help and, and to actually make the steps to leave. So, yeah, for everyone out there that's listening, please know that just because you're not ready now doesn't mean you won't be ready because you've got, you've got to make that choice for yourself. Um, I, what reminded me all the time is I didn't want my kids growing up thinking this is what a happy marriage was. Mm. I didn't want my kids modeling their adult relationships yeah. based on, but this is what my parents did. Yeah. Um, but everyone has that thing. Everyone has that one thing that, that kind of is the straw on the camel's back. Mm. And, and that's what makes them make that decision. And until you have that moment, you know, I think that another another thing is too, Alison, is that we are really alone during that time where we're just navigating those challenges of just trying to keep that delicate balance, you know, from things just going absolutely, you know, off the chart so we're just in sort of maintenance mode all of the time but like you said where you said you know your best friend had no idea of the things that were going on we keep so much to ourselves when we think you know we've got to protect our partner and in doing protecting our partner, we're keeping ourselves vulnerable. We're keeping our children vulnerable. So, and the thing, the reason, another reason why we don't talk about these things to our our friends or our family is because we don't want to burden them with our shit. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I, I didn't want my 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 friends our friends, I should say, were always commenting on how we had the perfect relationship. We were the couple that everybody else wanted to strive to be. And I didn't want to taint his reputation in anyone else's eyes because there were good times. There were, there were great times in amongst all of that. And, and I think that's where, um, where I, I kind of, it took me a long time to remember those. For a long time, I only remembered the bad. And I had to force myself to remember the good. We were married for 13 years. It wasn't, um, it, it wasn't a case of it all being a living hell. You know, there would be times there where he would be so romantic and such an amazing dad and, and I would get this light of hope of, okay, you know, like this is our life. This is the part of our life I love. I love yeah. this man. And then something little would happen and I would very quickly remember that change in the tone of voice I would remember and... It, it just kind of brought it all back. My, um, on a visit, my eldest daughter, when she was about 14, um, was on a visit with him and she called me in tears asking me to come and get her from interstate because that tone of voice had changed and she was fearful. She was mm. waiting for mm. the physical violence to come. She ended yeah. up calling the police um, and the result of that was that her father disowned her for a fight. Oh, wow. um, but in that, it's funny when, even when we spoke about it, once they come home and she said, mom, it was just, 
there was something in his voice. I couldn't mm. place it. And at the time we'd been separated and living apart for about six years. But for her growing up, she knew her, her brain had subconsciously remembered as soon as you hear that tone, that's when you've got to go into, you know, fight or flight mode. Yeah. And, and that, that kills me as a parent that, that I allowed that to happen. But I did, I, I did the best that I could with what I knew at the time. Absolutely. That's and, it. And I think the other part of, especially being a survivor with kids, I think the other part of it is the beating yourself up of, I should have done this and I should have done that sooner and I, I should have got them out. And you know what? Yeah, you should have. Maybe you should have, but you couldn't. Yeah. You know, should have been wanting to do something is great, but if you can't and if you don't have the resources and the support to do it, it's not on you. It's not on you. It's on the person that is making you feel that way. Yeah. They're the ones doing the wrong thing, not you. Yeah. Um, but do reach out, do reach out and get support. So if you're listening to this and you are in a situation where you're in an abusive relationship and um, and it's impacting on you, it's impacting on your children, please don't suffer alone in silence. You know, um, you can reach out and get some support and a great place to start is to talk to an online counselling support service, which is a free service. In Australia, there's 1-800-RESPECT and I have a link in the episode notes for a crisis support list service, service list rather that, that you can access. So on that note, Alison, we're going to have to wind up. It's been a fantastic conversation. I wish that we could continue talking, but um, we're out of time today and we will have another conversation at another time where we can talk more about um, all of these um, things that we've been going over today and more because you've got a wealth of experience and you've got so much to offer and so much wisdom inside of you could you please um, share any links that you have for the listeners to find you oh yes by all means so for anyone that's that's grieving the loss of a loved one um, and and would like something that they can hold um, my business name is Today, Tomorrow and Always and you can find us at todaytomorrowalways.com.au. We are all over all your socials as well, so be sure to check that out. Um, and if you would like to reach out to get some help um, when it comes to finding your inner strength, um, that business is Alison Marie, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-M-A-R-E-E.com.au. And again, we are all over your socials as well. So please do reach out um, if there's anything that I can do to help you with whatever you're dealing with in life. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Alison. And I will include those links in the episode notes. So if you could just, um, the last question I wanted to ask you is, this podcast is called Tiara's Tears and Triumphs. What does that title mean to you as a woman? Um, I don't know. Part of it makes me smile. Um, I just think women are, we're queens. We really are. We, we grow humans. We give birth to humans. We nourish humans. We run households. We are the shit people. Like we, like stand up proud and just own it because we are the shit. Um, and just know that even if you're in a low point right now, there will be triumphs. You will pick up that tiara. You will put that crown back on your head and you will stand up tall, even if it doesn't feel like it right now, but you will. 
and and you have Sandy here to help you do that. Make sure that you do reach out to people who can who can help you find that that next stepping stone to get back up on your throne because you are a queen. Awesome. Thanks so much, Alison. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much. We all go through dark times. When we do, we often feel alone. This is a safe space for you to come and look for some light. I'm a survivor of an abusive relationship and for a long time I had no voice because I was too scared to speak up and speak out about what was happening to me. I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel, but when I turned a corner in my life, the light started filtering through and I left my old life behind. I am here now to help other women feel seen, heard and valued. I'm reaching out with my light shining on you to help you find your way out of the darkness. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A note of encouragement. If you are struggling with your mental health, please reach out for support with some form of counselling. If you don't know where to start to find a counsellor, a good place to start is to talk with your doctor. There are also many online counselling supports available. And a word of advice, if the counsellor is not a good fit for you, try another. And if you need to, try another until you have one that is the right fit for you. Tune in again for the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, helping women who have been hurt to heal and grow hosted by me sandy j this program provides a safe place to work on inner peace and a strong mindset spells out how to spot the red flags advises on ways to stay safe and work on effective safety planning gives tips on how to look after you when things are tough teaches empowerment strategies acknowledges life's challenges and explores ways to meet these challenges head on to go from surviving to rising to striving and finally to thriving. The show includes interviews with other survivors who have come out the other side who share their stories and insights as well as interviews with therapists and people working in support roles. I am a survivor and I use my experience and skills to help other women like me. Please listen and be uplifted to rise in this safe space where dignity, kindness and compassion are treasured. And don't forget, if you need some support, I am here for you. I don't want any woman to suffer alone in silence. I don't want any woman to feel oppressed and feel that there is no way out. I want you to know that you can turn a corner. I am a life change facilitator. I help women regain control over their lives. You can find me at sandyj.com 
www.ngbc.org.au. Hey now, can you just pause a moment before you go? Because I need you to share your light and leave a review. Can you just take a quick minute to leave a review in iTunes to let other women know this is a show they can trust? It would mean the world to me if you could help shine a light for someone who can't see the light at the end of their tunnel. I need you to do this for someone else who needs some support and encouragement. If you like this show, please subscribe and you will automatically be updated with future episodes when they are released. And please share this podcast with anyone you know who it might help. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Sending you lots of love and light and above all else, wishing you well. You are brilliant. Keep shining. Stay safe. Sandy.